keep going, rebuild trust, forgive, heal up, and it could be incredible. Welcome to the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll, and we are answering questions about marriage and sexual um, closeness and things around that, encompassing that today, and we have a question that we can Somebody answer. Somebody sent in, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll try and answer it. Yep. You want to read it? We can relate to this a little bit. Uh, the question is, my wife lied to me about being a virgin, and I discovered this more than 10 years into our marriage. In fact, she was quite promiscuous. How do you recover from that? I am struggling a lot and feel like I will never recover. So husband wounded, hurt, 10 plus years into the marriage and is like, Mm -hmm. had I known, Mm -hmm. I probably would have walked, maybe walked away. It Mm -hmm. seems to be like that's what he's saying. Like, Mm -hmm. And and so when we're in those sort of dating, engagement, Mm -hmm. uh, preparation for marriage season, um, especially as Christians, we're encouraged to go through premarital counseling, be overt, you know, put it all on the table. Don't bring any secrets into the marriage. That's the ideal. The ideal. And that way both people know, okay, here's here's your yep. story. Here's my story. Yep. And, you know, we're going to forgive and heal and move forward or not. But mm-hmm. being honest gives the person that you're marrying the opportunity to make a fully informed decision. Yeah. And when they withhold information, especially if it's, you know, negative, mm-hmm. you can feel like you were taken advantage of mm-hmm. or and you were lied to. Mm-hmm. Lying includes not just saying something that is untrue, but not saying all that is true. Mm-hmm. So there, there are multiple ways to lie. So I don't know, what would what would you say to this husband? I've got my thoughts, but I'll let you go first, babe. We have a similar story um, because I withheld information from you from high school because we started dating in high school. We started dating at 17. Yes. March 12th, 1988, first yes. date. So I don't, it wasn't quite 10 years, but by the time we finished dating and then by the time I gave you the information, it was, you know, somewhere around there, eight years or something. Um, and so we have a similar story in that I wasn't um, hugely promiscuous with a lot of men, but I had sexual assault beforehand and that I didn't recognize as that until it came out. And then I also withheld one other situation. And so we have that as part of our story and you felt very rightly so betrayed lied to um i have been faithful to you since the day we were married but 100 100, i would say 100 percent. i have never um i have never seen you around any man in our entire marriage and felt awkward oh that's awesome it's awesome thank you jesus it's awesome for that man (laughs) thank you jesus he did (laughs) Yeah. in me what he needed to 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 stop that but when you found out it was a very hard moment i can remember that moment you can remember that moment um i was pregnant with our first child and it was devastating for you and and it was you all of a sudden felt like who am i married to um rightly so again it just is it's not fair to the other person because they didn't yeah, but, get but honey for me too it triggered an inner vow yes and so the opposite of a covenant with God is an inner vow. Mm-hmm. And a covenant is good. Marriage is a covenant. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Bible says, like in Job 31, 1, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at people lustfully. So it's, you know, a covenant's a good thing. And But an inner vow is the counterfeit of that. Everything mm-hmm. God creates, Satan counterfeits. And the demonic counterfeit of a covenant with God is an inner vow. And my inner vow was, 
you know, it's going to be like this and I'm not going to be with anyone unless they meet these certain criteria. And I, don't, right. I didn't need to get into all those details, but then you violated my inner vow. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so at that moment I had to decide I'm going to be faithful to my covenants mm-hmm. of marriage and do what God does for me. And he forgives me and he expects me to forgive others starting with you. Or I can um, stay loyal to my inner vow and become bitter. So what were your options at that point? When you found out that information, what what did you think in your mind? Okay, these are my options right now. Well, what I did was wrong. So I responded in bitterness mm-hmm. and I was embittered. And that changed my tone toward you. That changed uh, my perception of you. Mm-hmm. And bitterness is a way of sort of shading everything. It's almost like you put glasses on that have a certain tint or hue, and then everything is that color. Bitterness is like that. All of a sudden now, everything about your spouse is run through a mm. negative narrative and a colored lens, and and uh, and you could sense that. And, and that led to a demonic foothold in our mm. marriage relationship because, you know, we like to say, another book we wrote, um, When Your War, it's a spiritual warfare book, and spiritual warfare doesn't even start till a couple's married. Yep. Satan doesn't even show up till Adam and Eve are married. And you either live heaven down or hell up. Mm. And if you forgive, you're inviting heaven down. Yeah. If you choose bitterness, you're pulling hell up. And I did that. I I was hurt, mm-hmm. and my inner vow was triggered, and I chose bitterness, which only made things worse. Mm-hmm. And I did repent 100%. in that moment. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And you've and you've been an incredible, faithful, loyal. Mm-hmm devoted wife. I mean, we've been through so much. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was like, people like, you think you got baggage? We got baggage and carry-ons. We've been through a lot. And you're still there and you're still loyal and you're still faithful. And and so did you feel like he's saying like you would never recover from that? Um, For me, it was very, very, very disorienting Mm -hmm. because I, um, I never really had a friend like you. Mm. And I'd never felt like I had a truly uh, best friend mm. until you, and so for me it was like uh, it was it was difficult because if I was to go through something that I felt was really a crisis for me, I would talk to you as yeah. my best friend. But when I did but it, when you did is like mm-hmm. now I'm isolated, mm-hmm. and that's where I I let bitterness creep in, and mm-hmm. and uh, and so for me it took some time to. To realize that um, you were God's best for me, mm. and um, and that the way that I got the information um, is not the way that I would have chosen. But in thirty years, having been married to you for thirty years, this will sound really weird. I don't know if I've ever said it to you, but like, I'm glad I didn't know in advance because I probably would have made a different decision. Mm. And I'm so blessed and glad to be married to you that I'm glad that I got the information later. Wow. Because I would rather get the information later and be married to you mm. than get it earlier and make a decision not to be with you, which would have been the wrong decision. Wow. Thank you. That's true forgiveness right there. Yeah. So you're saying don't get bitter, but you're saying what does this guy need to do? First of all, from the wife's standpoint, she needs to repent. But repentance comes from the Holy Spirit softening her and saying, and maybe she has repented yeah, and you're having know. a hard time forgiving. We don't know. But 
she does need to repent. She does need to have a soft, broken heart and own what she can. If there's abuse and brokenness from that, she may need to deal with some trauma or sexual abuse um, prior to that as well, that yeah. then she became promiscuous out of that. I don't know the scenario. Again, we don't have the context, but there may be some deeper issues for her yeah. that she needs to get some help from. But from your standpoint, from the guy's standpoint, don't become bitter. But what, what would you recommend him doing? Well, this is going to sound a little cruel and I wouldn't do this with your wife, but I would tell the guy, um, just run the scenario. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm the guy, it's like, well, there's plan A or plan B. Well, just run them, run them in your mind. Okay. So you dated for some period of time, let's say a year or two. I don't know. You've been married for 10 years. So now you're 11, 12 years into this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have kids or not, but if you're Christians and been married 10 years, you probably got kids. I mean, odds are pretty good. So um, let's just uh, run the scenario. Um, you found she was dishonest and you decide, you know what? I can't recover from that. I can't overcome that. I can't forgive that. Okay. Uh, just mentally just take a moment and say, okay, uh, let's get a divorce. Mm-hmm. So let's go get an attorney. I'll get an attorney. You get an attorney. And it always starts with... Um, hey, let's just work this out amicably. It never ends that way. No. Uh, you go get an attorney, I get an attorney, and uh, we each spend hundreds of dollars an hour to uh, negotiate our uh, dissolution of our covenant. And how many thousands of dollars is that going to cost? How many tens of thousands of mm-hmm. dollars is that going to cost us? And um, Or we could spend that money on counseling and help. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Biblical counseling. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Jesus-centered, spirit-filled, clinical, mm-hmm. good counseling. Um, and uh, if we have kids, uh, what is it going to do to our kids? Mm-hmm. And how are they going to process this? And what is it going to be like to co-parent and sit in separate stands at the Little League game and uh, have the annual war over who gets the kids for the holidays? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then just ask, okay, what does that do to the kids? And, yeah. and for generations. Yes. And then, um, and then your wife gets remarried, mm-hmm. and now you have some other guy who's probably raising your kids, and mm-hmm. they're calling him dad. And me as a dad, like with our daughters, the thought of some other dude tucking my daughters into bed at Mm. night Mm. and being home alone with them when Mm -hmm. they're showering and clothing themselves and and there's some guy there I don't know. Yep. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Like I every every defensive protector instinct in me Mm -hmm. is paranoid and terrified. And then um then the thought of um she's probably gonna get the house. And so now some other guy is raising your kids and sleeping with your wife in your bedroom with the money that you paid for it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just, I'm just. Worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, 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 we've done this enough. This is just kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you decide, you know what, I, I, I'm lonely. So I, I want to get remarried. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get there. Um, and hopefully in the middle, you don't become an alcoholic or a porn addict or just spin out of control because uh, Hebrews says, uh, see to it, no one becomes bitter. 
that a root of bitterness does not grow up, and by it many become unholy, defiled, and mm-hmm. sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. So what Hebrews tells us is bitter people end up being perverted people. So yeah. odds are if you don't deal with the bitterness, you're going to feel entitled to a pornography addiction, sleeping mm-hmm. around, you know, kind of revenge sex, adultery, whatever the case may be. Usually it's very broken and, and the enemy gets a foothold. Mm-hmm. And then you hopefully you don't do any of that. And if not, you're a miracle statistic. And then you decide, okay, I want to try again. But now I don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And now I'm probably going to be high controlling in my next relationship because the last relationship um, I didn't have control of all information and it hurt me. So I need to now up my control so that I can't be hurt, which means you're probably only going to get a woman who has been broken or abused or controlled or something of that. And she's willing to be in a relationship where she's sort of guilty till proven innocent. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to have to rebuild. You're going to have to build trust with her. Yeah. She could lie to you as well. Yeah. So you could just do it all over again. Absolutely. And then uh, you're going to have to work on that relationship 11 or 12 years to get to the place where you are today. Yep. So, you know, at the end of the day. It's not a better scenario than just taking this and saying, okay, God, how do we fix this? How do we heal? How do we build trust? What I'm saying is either way, it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to cost some money. It's going to be emotionally expensive and it's going to be a process. Mm -hmm. So, you know. You can burn your house to the ground and move out, or you can remodel it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my recommendation is if the person you're married to is a Christian and they are willing to work on it, then go work on it mm-hmm. and uh, do all you can to preserve your covenants. And if they have been faithful to you in the marriage, uh, that may mean that because it says that they were very promiscuous, but it seems but that was only prior to the marriage. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of infidelity, adultery, betrayal in the marriage. Right. So it may have been they didn't know the Lord. They were traumatized and they were acting out in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a season of rebellion. I don't know. But if that's over, well, then let's let's heal up and let's move forward. Um, yeah. And it doesn't help if she is repentant, if he's condemning of her and just can't trust her because he chooses not to forgive and trust that's pretty horrible for a woman to live under as well when she if she is repentant so we don't have enough information but you need to look at all sides of this and look at the scenarios that come from this and your options and like you said i mean you've already put at least 10 years probably 11 or 12 into this keep going rebuild trust forgive heal up and it could be incredible yeah, and you, you know, any relationship, I always say there's three options. You can have a good relationship, a bad relationship, or no, or no relationship. relationship yeah. And so at this point, it sounds like you've got a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And a bad relationship can't go on forever. Mm-hmm. At some point, it either gets better or it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And so at this point, you've got a bad relationship. So you can either have a good relationship or no relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying either way, it's going to cost you a lot. Yep. You know, and you're going to put the work in to fix this relationship or, you know, call it terminal and end it and then restart. And um, at, at the end of the day, what people think is, well, I just want to get divorced and get it over. What I would say is if you've already been together 10 years, it's kind of never over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still have memories and friends and extended family and there's a lot of people involved in your life, your church community. Mm-hmm. And if you have kids and you get divorced, 
it's never over. Right. You're still their parents. Right. And I'm not saying that we're not saying that there's never a case for divorce, but divorce is the nuclear last mm-hmm. option. It's 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 what you do when it's the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like they are there. At that place. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing, too, maybe if I could nerd out for a minute theologically. So God doesn't just forgive us our sins. He cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. Amen. And what I would tell the husband is you need to dig into a doctrine called expiation. Mm-hmm. And it means cleansing. And we tend to think, uh, you know, Jesus forgives me. He totally does. And he cleanses me. If you're forgiven and still dirty, it's hard to live your life. Right. If you're it's forgiven shame. and clean, you get to start a new life. Mm-hmm. And so it says, you know, in First John, walk in the light as he is in the light. And that means just coming open and clean and, and full confession, um, you know, and and uh, Jesus will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we'll have fellowship with one mm. another. Um, and in the Old Testament, when people would go to worship God uh, at the base of um, the mount, they would literally take a bath mm. and then they would put on white mm. and then they would ascend to worship God showing He's made me clean. And that's what it means to have the imputed righteousness of Christ. We don't wear our righteousness. We wear his. There's this portrait in Zechariah where uh, Jesus is standing next to a filthy sinner. And Jesus is wearing clean, pure white. And the filthy sinner is wearing all of their filth and sin. And uh, the picture is that he wears what we wear and Mm. we wear what he wears. He trades places with us he's like i'll wear all of your guilt and shame and Mm -hmm. filth and i'll give you all of my cleansing and healing and righteousness and so even at the end of time the bride in revelation is wearing white Mm. and uh and and the church of jesus christ wearing white at the wedding supper of the lamb Mm -hmm. isn't because the church is pure yeah no (laughs) uh church is a bunch of sinners who are dirty Mm -hmm. and the only reason that we get to wear white um in jesus presence is because he gives us his righteousness and so i would say to this husband uh this is i I didn't i didn't know we'd end up here um but your problem is more with jesus than your wife if he sees her as clean Mm -hmm. If he clothes her in white and you see her as dirty and you clothe her in shame, Mm -hmm. then you are having a hard time applying the gospel to your wife and to your marriage. Yes. And um, at the end of the day, um, if you feel like you'll never recover, I'm going to push you very hard and say, why in the world do you think that you get to stand before Jesus and wear white and she doesn't? Mm -hmm. Why do you think that your sin is less grievous than hers? Why do you think that maybe even your arrogant, religious, smug, self-righteous pride, and I'm not saying he has that, but he may, Mm -hmm. to where he looks at his wife and says, you're just, you're just not good. You're not Mm -hmm. good enough for me. I deserved a lot better than you. Mm -hmm. How can you look at Jesus and say, um, you know, hey, please let me wear white. Mm -hmm. And then when he puts it on her, you throw mud on her because she's not allowed to wear Mm -hmm. it because her sin is worse than yours. Mm -hmm. And her unrighteousness is more unforgivable than yours. And so I would say, um, you know, for this guy, um, he, he probably feels hurt and broken and, you know, 
in the dog. It may right, not, trust has been trust broken. has been broken, mm-hmm. and also too, it, it may explain a lot of pains and problems in their marriage. They may have had a difficulty connecting and being intimate and being mm-hmm. friends because if she's got her big secret and a lot of shame, yep. uh, that's the fig leaf that she's hiding behind. So mm-hmm. it's hard for him to really see and know her. Uh, but this might be the greatest thing that ever happened to your marriage. Mm-hmm. Now you know that there is a problem. Yes. Now you know what the problem is. And you know that uh, there's only one person who can really fix this problem. Amen. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's going right. to need to forgive them. Um, and you're going to need to forgive them. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to need to uh, reorient their uh, identity as clean and yes. righteous and forgiven. And yours as well. Yeah. Uh, But the worst thing you could do is stay in this marriage and use this to continually uh, bludgeon, to Mm -hmm. control, to shame, uh, to uh, punish your spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because then the marriage is more like a slave master relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not like a bridegroom relationship. And just I would say to this guy and all guys, man, when we stand before Jesus and we're wearing white in the end, it's not because we were awesome and earned it. <laughs> it's because we were forgiven and, yes. and made righteous. Yes, that's great. So, and hey, we've been faithfully married 30 years. Yep. And uh, God's the been other gracious side of story. to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're a couple decades down the road and um, I am glad that I married you. Mm-hmm. And um, I I'm think, glad that you stayed with me. <laughs> honey, that that would be the reverse. I'll just be honest. <laughs> I say this marriage is a it's it's a it's a drama queen. You're a queen and I'm all the drama, you know. And so it's not like I haven't brought a lot of pain to you in the marriage, you know, and sometimes we tend to think, oh, what you did to me is far worse than what I've done to you. And and over the years, I've just come to realize that I brought as least as much pain into this relationship as you did. Well, that's why we forgive and we love each other and we serve each other. So there's yep. hope here. There is hope. <laughs> Let me pray for the husband. Father, I do pray for uh, this husband and any couple that this sounds like a familiar story. Uh, God, when we get into marriage, sometimes we just don't even really talk about much. And so you get married and you're like, well, I didn't know that. Well, we really didn't do a thorough job of talking about anything. Sometimes, God, we don't remember things. Mm -hmm. We have repressed memories or we misinterpreted the data. And that was certainly Grace's case with the assault that she endured and suffered before I met her. So it came out later. And sometimes, God, um, we uh, were ashamed, we're embarrassed, we're hiding. Uh, We just, we we don't want to deal with the past. We just want to forget it. We want a fresh start. We want to move on. So we don't want to talk about it. Um, and sometimes God, we're just being deceptive. We know if I tell the truth, I'm not going to get the outcome that I want. Ergo, I'm going to conceal the truth so that I can control the outcome. And so Lord, all of us come into marriage and on various issues, these things are probably all at play. Mm -hmm. And so I pray for uh, discernment in the Holy Spirit, anything that we need to share with our spouse. I pray that we would walk in the light together as couples that means no secrets and no shame. Mm-hmm. And God, I pray that we wouldn't just uh, forgive one another, but that we would also see one another through the work of Jesus, a holy, pure, clean, righteous, forgiven, wearing white. Mm. And uh, Lord, I pray for this marriage. I pray that it would experience a supernatural, yes. profound touch. I pray that this husband would work through his disappointment and his bitterness. I pray against the enemy of servants, their works and effects who are trying to get a wedge between this husband and wife. And God, I pray for this to be an incredible story of look what Jesus did in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.